welcome to the Art Guide Australia podcast with Tiani Mikus. This is Art Guide's second podcast, and for this edition, I'll be talking with Ricky Maynard. Maynard is a photographer who came to prominence during the late 1980s. Since this time, his works have shown a commitment to representing his people through his documentary-style images. Underpinning Maynard's photographs is the belief in photography as a tool to effect social change. Through his 30-year practice, Maynard has portrayed historical sites, landscapes and community figures, significant to both Tasmanian and mainland Aboriginal people. I caught up with Ricky to talk about how he first came to photography and how he began to link the art form with the struggle and trauma of Indigenous people. I'd like to start by going back to the beginning of your practice. Can you tell me about how you first became interested in photography? Uh, it was always, uh, I always said that photography came to me in a way because I was a young 16-year-old uh, Victoria in Melbourne. I'd come across from uh, Tasmania after high school and uh, I answered an ad in the paper as a darkroom assistant. And of course from there uh, it was very early that I, I began to sort of explore the world of photography and um, so I eventually come to a printmaking through the avenue of printmaking. It was almost 17 by the time I could afford my first camera. And then uh, it opened up that whole new world for me. Was there a moment when you knew that you wanted to become an artist? It was probably during that first year when I bought my first camera and um, I, I was amazed at the actual power of the medium itself. At one stage, uh, went out and, uh, one weekend and done some landscape and I sort of conceived these sort of ideas in my mind, which is sort of very different to why we do it now, but um, I had a very conceived idea and... Um, you know, it was only like a day later I went back to work and within a matter of hours I was holding the image that I'd actually conceived in my own mind. So for me it was that immediacy of, of such a powerful, powerful medium in itself, you know. So how did you then begin to see the links between photography and representing the struggles and traumatic history of Indigenous people? Well, it began, uh, I guess it was the early 70s, so I'd sort of done everything and um, ventured into different sort of fields of, um, you know, from abstract to, to, um, to landscape to all those different fields of photography. But it was in the mid-80s that um, I actually became, and um, for the first time, uh, had a, a sense of a real direction in my work where I wanted to go. And that, of course, was uh, documentary photography. Um, but that came about by the way I was actually working at the time in Canberra in, in this huge indigenous archive, photographic archive. So my daily chores was actually doing the printing from some of those you know, late, you know, um, uh, you know, nineteenth-century uh, photographs and um, to you know to the early twentieth century. I really truly saw about the, the total misrepresentation of Aboriginal people. Time went by that year. I remember and then. You know, in the early 80s, uh, 83, 84, 85, especially, and um, I, I said, "Well, you know, this is this is just not right. I, I have to have to try and uh, correct this. You know, sort of the fabricate fabrication of of history uh, of Australia, and it was simply not true the way Aboriginal people were represented." Uh, with the colonial camera, you know that's that's when I decided to say, you know, okay, I've, I've really got something to say now. I really need to do this, uh, but I, I chose to do documentary and really chosen the path of um, of uh, as a humanitarian in a way, because there, in those days there was no uh, outlet for documentary. It was really hard. It was a way of trying to um, uh, photograph 
um, people and, and um, uh, Aboriginal people and history and uh, correcting that and saying, you know, this is who we really are. You became well-known in the late 80s with your work, The Moonbird People, a photo essay on Aboriginal mutton, far- mutton bird farmers. It's almost 30 years since that series, and I feel like I can see such a clear link between that work and later pieces. Do these early images and themes still resonate for you now? Oh, very much so, because because at the heart of everything that I do, I've always been very interested in the way we picture ourselves. It's always been a, a really interesting aspect of the way I've looked at things all up. And, and when I look at that work uh, way back there 30 years ago, it, to me it's still as irrelevant today as it was in those times. When did you begin to understand the political power of representation? You have to relate that to the past uh, in, in a way of you know, the colonial camera and how sort of a, a gross misrepresentation of the people. It's about, you know, when the government sent out the, um, you know, the staff photographers and uh, wanted to photograph the dying race. It was, it, was, it was a great misuse of the medium of photography where it had no integrity whatsoever and, uh, and uh, be put into sort of big political strategy, long-term strategies, of um, disempowering Aboriginal people and seeing seeing them uh, the way they instructed the government photographers to go out and photograph. There's the history to show that, you know, the power, the political power and that of representation and, and how that can, in its worst sense. Um, so it's from there, that past history, that I've adopted my, my whole practice, really, my arts practice, in a way... Um, that I've completely inversed that whole approach. Uh, not only one of great collaboration, but I, I actually establish a sort of a co-authorship of the works, where I say to people, uh, you know, these are just as much your pictures as they are mine. So at the end of the day, it's about me wanting to involve people in the picture-making act. So this becomes our true representation and and. In thinking about the way we picture ourselves and the ethics and the aesthetics of documentary as well uh, and those strong disciplines of, of seeking the truth, uh, for me, it was, it was a really great way I found. It was that avenue, that, that way I found him to do and uh, working personally, um, uh, you know, in, in the way I, I, I established that approach. So there you have the sort of the two contrasts, really, uh, the way I had to develop my future work and the way I've seen the past and how... Remember, I was actually working in the archives at the time, too, so I saw some pretty terrible stuff, uh, what was done in the late 1900s with Aboriginal people in chains and all this. And I can't even begin to imagine the experience of, you know, you being quite young and working in those archives and seeing those colonial pictures, not of people who are your people as well, which, you know, I can imagine has that kind of extra personal and traumatic element to it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's, uh, and you, you simply have to address that past, you know, and um, so for me, it was, um, uh, a bit emotional in the sense too, because I come from a state in Tasmania where, you know, they, uh, but it's a true in the whole of Australia really, uh, that uh, fabrication of the of the history, and that uh, they used to say that you know Trudden in was the last Tasmanian, um, you know, and uh, see they were political strategies, 
They, they just didn't say it. You know what I mean? These, again, this is the the way they you know, used to show the uh, the paintings and some of the old photographs of drugging Indians and to highlight this fact. And they actually was forced into the schooling systems of um, from uh, you know high schools to universities at the time um, to to. To, and I was made to to teach this in their schools, in the, you know, by governments. So it was, you know, it, it was a political strategy. And you know, there's an old saying in history that's so well accepted to Australian politics. And that is, you know, um, if you have a contempt for the past, you'll always fail to address it. And that's what Australia is 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 so consumed by. You know, and they live in that bubble, and they just got to get past that. I'd like to focus now on the work that you're showing for Tarnanthi Festival, which is titled Saddened Were the Hearts of Many Men. Can you talk through the 12 portraits and who they're of? Well, I guess I can talk to how I came to the work, really. Uh, really, it was about, oh, look, about 2004, 2005, when I started noticing things in my own community, uh, which ended up becoming um, uh, the men from my own community. But um, it was about... Uh, you know, um, all the men. You know, well, what, 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 they were sort of falling down as leaders, and, um, and and you know, they was having problems with their family life and all these sorts of things. And and as a community, especially, we were sort of um, uh, sort of politically overpowered by overwhelmed really by all these things happening to us uh, back home in Tasmania. But we didn't. I didn't know how. I didn't know what it was. I was saying, you know, what is this? It's, um, you know, what's going on? So then I started doing a bit of research into um, men's health, really, and um, I looked at a big document called Beyond Band-Aids, which was a 300-page um, document on um, the social determinants of Aboriginal health. And it's there where I sort of picked up on uh, what they termed, which was because I was looking for what it was. And uh, so we picked up on the term that was um, uh, this ailment of um, modern men's issues, uh, is about um, uh, intergenerational and transgenerational trauma. And, and that is classically when uh, trauma is not, is not addressed in one in one era or one period or one generation and is transferred, you know, again to the next generation. So we literally had generations and generations of things not being resolved because, you know, the politics and we can't resolve things in our own communities. Um, so this has been forced off us in a, in a way. Um, so it becomes a generational movement of trauma. Really what it's about is historical grief because it goes back to the earlier times. If you can think about, you know, two centuries ago when Aboriginal men were corralled and forcibly moved onto missions and reservations throughout Australia, well, while they was leading their families onto these unknown desert places, they woke next morning to find that, you know, after tens of thousands of years, all their rights have been taken away. You know, so you can imagine the impact. So from that period on, you know, this is you're talking about a 200-year period. Uh, here you have Indigenous males who, who lost their well-defined, meaningful role uh, with authority and status, and um, and the young males lost their positive um, aspirational role models. So you know, Indigenous uh, male knowledge and authority was disenfranchised. Uh, you know, and this marginalisation has continued um, into its current state today. So it's never been resolved. So it's it's continually intergenerational. Uh, you know, the so, you know that in talking about that establishment of missions, reservations, and settlements, uh, restricted men from performing their traditional roles. You know, you know, as landowners, educators, father figures, 
providers and decision makers, you know, breaking their spirit and connection to land. So, But one of the major reasons about doing this project too, it had a twofold um, purpose in a way of not only raising uh, the awareness of the way Aboriginal people feel today about the way history has, you know, has, um, has been detrimental to our health and well-being uh, and raising the whole cultural issue uh, to people who would never really um, assume it or know about it. Um, but the thing is that, you know, it's, it's really important that uh, we need to come and understand this because it, it, this intergenerational trauma... Uh, it really sort of addresses two issues, really, that we need to think about in that. And one is that we need to think that it was the attempted eradication of our culture and thinking it was about the trauma our parents experienced as they were forced through this experience as well. So, again, you know, that continuing generational trauma. But as I said, back to that twofold uh, purpose was... Uh, one of the other original intents of the work was for us to come together and try and heal ourselves away uh, again, heal ourselves. So I originally intended it to be um, the original exhibition, to be a closed exhibition with um, just me and the rest of the men. And um, I've always sort of, um, you know, and talk, not just the men's group, but talk about the way these pictures they see of themselves on the wall. Uh, and they, you know, it's beautiful big gallery prints and the way they... Uh, would uh, perceive that. And I understand that you spent time with each of these men before taking their photograph, and I wondered what you talk about or what you do together in those moments leading up to when you take their image. Well, uh, even though these are men that I grew up with uh, all my life, uh, really, um, for me it's... um, The same approach that I do in everything I do, and that is I spend an enormous amount of time and it's weeks at a time, even before I pull a camera out. And it's about um, talking. For a start, you've got to be very honest to say, okay, you know, why are you doing this? Why? Um, how are you going to go about it? Um, we've got to really make it clear about the context and the way I will approach this whole work and what we're trying to achieve with it. And that's the most important part of picture making because of my approach of developing that collaborative co-authorship and getting people actively involved in the picture-making process. But um, by aiming for that sort of impossible task of trying to look and understand who I am as the photographer and the presence of the sitter and the way we develop this context to come and sit together and make this image together, uh, it's in those moments that I'm really looking forward to, really looking for and concentrating on to see. I'm looking for that, you know, that one moment. So all my work is deeply considered that um, a, a, a long approach and very um, your approach has to be actually immaculate. And have the men in the photographs given any feedback or said what they think about the series? Uh, yeah, look, um, when we was uh, actually developing the project, and I was doing um, uh, a, a lot of... Um, talking with the men on this particular project and um, spent a long time with them, of course. Um, so when they actually seen um, the finished work, they were um, uh, absolutely delighted. They, they, they thought that was uh, very impressive because I think it was the way that sort of very personal approach was developed between 
perspective between people and what we were both aiming for because when you when you're actually bring this to the attention of um, uh, a group of Aboriginal men and to the individual themselves um, is almost that reawakening in a way and saying, yeah, that's right, brother, That's this is right, you know. Um, and usually at the end of um, the project in, in developing uh, and working with people before the picture-making starts, uh, I usually end up with about 100% support with it. And for me, you know, it's, it's an absolute honour and privilege to photograph other people's lives and, and be, the, you know, so they can be the voice. So I'm simply the messenger, you know. Something that interested me a lot in your artist statement is that, you know, a lot of artists might have the goal to create great pieces of art, but you said that your pursuit was creating great pieces of evidence. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> as opposed to the earlier, younger days of when I was out sort of what I call sort of um, the real sort of hard car, hardcore on-the-ground social documentary, you know, with, you know, moving subjects and, and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and we was really on a very sort of quest for um, being more proactive, you know, playing a more proactive role in social change and changing social attitude, you know, and really highlighting highlighting some of the um, events that were taking place in, in those early years, you know. And I, uh, another example, a classic example of that is the prison series I've done uh, about Aboriginal deaths and... Um, the um, overpopulation of um, Indigenous people in prison. So, uh, again, that was that social documentary, and that was really in a very proactive stage of, okay, this is what the campaign is. These pictures will... We, we want to be really uh, active with these pictures. And um, um, as opposed to now, where the politics and the nature of um, modern politics is now that... Um, we seem to be getting more invisible as the years go by. So I've always looked at my work as really now as being a catalyst for a, another generation. And do you feel hopeful about the future? Uh, personally, within a political sense, no. What I've learned through photography and the changes over 30 years, um, things have actually sort of gone backwards. Uh, for example, you know, the, when I'd done the prison series, it was like 40, 14 or 13%. It's now 28% of Indigenous population in prisons, and um, we have the highest youth suicide in the whole world. I have hope in the sense that the work will be used for the purpose it was made for in the future, as, as that catalyst, as that body of work that will go forward and say, OK, um, you didn't addressed this the last 50 years, you now have to start addressing this, you know, and we have, well, we have proof, don't we? We're telling our own stories. We, we have it in an image. We have it in a truthful uh, way it was uh, it was um, uh, made and presented. So, uh, yes, I have hope for the work that it will be used in the future. What generation or how many generations of the future, I don't know. Personally, uh, it's, um, it's, it's not a very good future, I don't think. Uh, and what we're doing now, we uh, generally in a, in a you know, sort of a contemporary world now as Aboriginal people, we, we, we forget about the politicians now because they, they, they will never help us. They, they're not going to help. Government is not going to help us. So we just you know, patiently waiting back for, you know, the rest of, um, of uh, you know, uh, uh, people in Australia, you know, the public and the people of Australia to uh, actually start um, helping us create change. That's the only way it's going to happen. 
That was artist Ricky Maynard discussing his photographic practice, which is showing at the Art Gallery of South Australia until 28th of January next year. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and stay tuned for more in the future.